Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by executive functioning coach and advocate, Shira Woodley, to discuss children and phone usage at bedtime. Hi, Shira. How are you? Good. How are you today? Fabulous. We're happy to have you here and excited to talk about this. Yeah, it's a good topic. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hot topic. (laughs) Um, So let's start with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I own a company called Edfront. And um, at Edfront, we do executive functioning coaching, college coaching, and advocacy work. Um, And our approach is very much one-to-one, unique to the student. We work very, you know, particularly to that student's needs and their version of success um, to promote their executive functioning um, capabilities. And so therefore we don't follow like a specific curriculum. We are very focused on using the background and the understanding of the family, the student, the environment uh, to be able to promote those skills and to practice using them in real life. That's awesome. You never want a cookie cutter program for, you know, something that's so particular to each person. Absolutely. You know, and there's just so many different, you know, one disability marker that a, that a child may have does not indicate what, uh, what they need, you know, just right. oh, slap on ADHD. Now you need this curriculum. Not necessarily. They're, they're an individual first. Right. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So, um, if people were looking to find Edfront, where would they go like online or just in the world in general? Yeah, so we're 100% virtual, which is great. And we've been that way um, for a while now. We have students all over. You can find us at edfront.online. And we have so many students from different places, from Hawaii to California to Chicago to, you know, Delaware, like everywhere. (laughs) everywhere. Um, And we follow them to college, you know, in some cases, most cases. So we switch, we switch up where we see them when we see them. Um, But we do see them kind of all over the place. So time zone differences are not unique to to what we do. Very cool. Okay, so I'll make sure to pop the website in the show notes and people can find you guys through edfront.online. Perfect. All righty. Well, let's hop into this chat. Yeah. Phone usage. Good. Yeah. All right. So why is it, do you think, that kids are on their phones at night instead of going to bed? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we get this a lot. Um, so, you know, in all of us, not just children, but all of us need rest and recharge. Yeah. How it looks is different for children these days than it has for, you know, even when we grew up, right? Right. Um, When children's brains and especially like young adults, um, they want to go into battery saving mode. They've been working all day long, Mm -hmm. eight hours a day. They've been, you know, dealing with people, new social environments, different contents, changing every hour, uh, long periods of time, doing something, exerting effort. So they really just want to zone out and zone out is not plan making, executing work, (laughs) right? Right. Making positive choices. Like that's not happening. Right. Instead during these brain saving, you know, battery saving modes, um, they want to go on their phone. Right. The reason they want to default to that phone is because it's 
very low effort. Mm-hmm. Even TikTok is the lowest effort, right? Because <laughs> you don't even have to touch it. <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> um, you don't even have to move. Um, it's a low effort, easy stimulation. That's what the brain is looking for right. when it's in that battery saving mode. And so this is an incredibly common response that not just students, we as adults, right? Um, especially as we have worked really hard at throughout the day at work, you know, we, we zone out and this is one way to zone out is scrolling on our phones, um, watching something, right? Mm -hmm. Like YouTube just Mm -hmm. keeps going to the next one. Um, and therefore that leads to staying up late, right? Because we're choosing this battery saving mode that has been designed to make our, you know, to make it quite, quite a long time that we're using this. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, regarding sleep with the kind of low battery recharging saving mode that we're trying to go into, it takes a big toll on the time we go to sleep. Mm -hmm. As we know, like there's a lot of research on blue light and all of the effects of that. Um, And it actually takes a lot of executive function, like skills to get to bed. You've got to go through such a long process. You know, maybe you got to shower. Maybe you have to like brush your teeth, which doesn't feel routinized maybe yet, especially if you're in middle school or early high school. Yeah. You know, you, something might've changed. A friend might've FaceTimed you, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. you got really involved in a video game. Now you got to like, you know, have that inhibitory control to say, actually, I'm going to get off so that I can go brush my teeth that I'm not, don't have a routine for yet. Right. Right. Um, so there's so many kind of factors to why bedtime and a bedtime like routine is hard to do for students that struggle with executive functioning. And so therefore, it's always going to be more preferred to do that low effort, low stimulation than it is to do something hard. like. Right remembering to brush your teeth and then going to do wash your face. And then, you know, all the steps that, you know, maybe you have to put your laundry away to even get in your bed. Right. Right. So there's <laughs> so many pieces uh, to the puzzle that are harder for the brain when it's really tired. Right. So it just defaults to the thing that is easy and fun. <laughs> right. Exactly. As it, as it should. <laughs> right. So then we've got these kids that are staying up later than normal which I'm sure has an effect on them for the next day. So what are you, what are you seeing the next day? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when children aren't getting enough sleep, the brain is not able to fully recharge. Mm-hmm. So then when we look at this battery pack, right? So we know batteries go up to hundred, right? They don't max over that. Right. Well, if you're getting, you know, let's say you, your body and brain, you know, as a teen might need eight hours, but you're getting five, mm-hmm. five solid hours, right? Yeah. Which is, unfortunately very common, um, that's not going to recharge you to full. No. So now what happens is you get to the next day as a child going through that eight hour day again, and now maybe you're on 60%. Yeah. So now you have 60% to work off of. And usually we see this almost throughout the week change, right? So Mondays, they might have had more sleep over the weekends. They might've just had more rest over the weekend, even if it wasn't full sleep. Um, and going into REM. But what happens is they have a little bit more, right? So let's yeah. say they, they start out Monday morning with 80% and they, you know, don't sleep that well on Tuesday or don't get to sleep that early. Then Tuesday, we're looking at 60. Like it can go down pretty significantly right. um, throughout the week. 
And we basically see that our students struggle in school with focus, right? That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, Exhaustion and focus are usually very tied to each other. Um, And imagine if you're a student who already struggles with attention. Right. So now you're expected to focus at a level that is already difficult for you, but you're exhausted. So it just adds this extra layer, um, unfortunately. And then what happens is Tuesday night, right? They get back on their phone and then they're back scrolling again to calm their brain and to try to achieve the feeling of success with the low energy, low effort, low stimulation, you know, or high stimulation that comes from it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this sounds like a vicious cycle. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It really is so hard. Yeah. So it sounds like it has some long-term effects on like homework, like you said, the focus, mental well-being. Like what do you see there? Definitely. It definitely does. We ask our kids to operate at full capacity at the beginning of every single day, you know, and it's really not, uh, that's not the case. They're not at full. They could be at 50 and that's really hard to get through an eight hour school day, especially if there are planned activities that they're stressed about, such Mm -hmm. as a test, right? So by the time they get home from school, we're asking them to squeak out another one to two hours of homework yeah. or focus time, or maybe they have an internship or we're, you know, we're like, you need to do this or that to, you know, go on your college transcript. Right. So right. all of these, like we're squeaking out percentage of what we don't have. Right. right? So homework therefore, and we see this a lot, especially with those who struggle with executive functioning can they don't do it efficiently right they don't do their homework efficiently or strategically because they don't have anything left mm-hmm. so now what could have been 1 to 2 hours is like it's it's 12 a.m. and they're still like oh. attempting to do homework oh yeah so focus becomes inaccessible then typically there's this guilt and shame cycle that just kind of mm. spirals them out makes them worry more now we're not even operating out of the frontal lobe no. which is the place we need for executive functioning (laughs) to work its best. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times we see that is those are the students that we see at Edfront is the, you know, they have this judgment of themselves. Now Mm -hmm. they don't have enough battery life left and they're trying to get something done, but just sitting there staring at a screen. Right. So what do you do? Like what should parents do to combat this? This, it's hard. It is hard. And I first just want to recognize like as a parent and as a, you know, coach and advocate for students that I see many, many different types of students, with all different types of disability markers and unique needs and scenarios. It is hard. So the first thing to recognize is just, this is a very difficult time to Mm -hmm. be a parent. And so there's a, you know, there's a lot going on with how to manage phones and how to work through that. Um, I think the first thing is acknowledging your child's feelings, you know, maybe they're tired, maybe they're drained. Maybe you see that, but they're not really aware of it. A lot of times our, our student population right now isn't aware that they're going into this brain saving mode, Mm -hmm. right? This battery saving. Um, and so they end up just kind of in this worry, um, and they, they come home and they're like, I'm so worried about my work. I have to do this. I have to do that. 
what a really great strategy as a parent, you might get sucked into that as we all do, right? right. We all get sucked into anxiety. Yeah. It, it feeds on it. So take a deep breath yourself <laughs> and then offer them a reset. And that reset doesn't have to, you know, directly attack the problem. It can just be, hey, come have a snack with me in yeah. the kitchen. You know, talk about a non-school topic. You know, maybe mm-hmm. talk about a game they're playing. Um, go outside for a walk. You know, animals are awesome because they require walking. Yeah. And so it's a necessary thing. So including that in like the routine, but trying to make it low impact, you know, hey, you know, the dog hasn't had a game of fetch today. Like, you want to go do that with me? That That's really easy in for taking a break. Those activities can actually make the battery life last longer. Oh, yeah. And so the, you know, one to two hours expected of homework that turns into three to five might actually be closer to one to two once they actually sit down and do the work because they've had this time to take a break mm-hmm. and reset. And now they're not taking the break by going on the phone. Right. And that's a really important thing. If you can catch it pretty early in the evening or early in the afternoon, you're better off setting up a, a routine and expected rhythm of when I get home from school or when I get home from soccer or whatever it may be, I'm going to have a snack with my mom or I'm going to talk with my dad about how my day went or, you know, walk my dog. Right. So the the different ways that you're not directly teaching, but you're offering to be in a low battery headspace, but that it's more focused on responding to them empathetically and supporting them in taking a break rather than saying, okay, hand me your phone, <laughs> right. which, is, which is what we all default to wanting to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. And now go focus on your homework. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot of uh, ways to support students that are, isn't directly a, attacking the problem of the phone that right. support for phone, you know, um, usage. Right. And so it sounds like the, phone usage during other parts of the day can also affect that executive functioning? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, the constant dings, buzzes, bright lights, all of those things, they're really attractive to the brain. Um, And especially if you're already an easily distractible brain, you're going to be more likely to become addicted to it. And I really say addicted because you are waiting. You are anticipating. You're not just distracted. You're excitedly interested, Mm -hmm. right? And that's, and you need it. And that is true. There are students that, and many, many that need that constant feeling, that constant buzz. Um, And the most frustrating moments for us as adults, especially on the front lines, our teachers, you know, for example, is when we see a student who's struggling in the class than watching videos on their phone or playing a game. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things for, for us to see as adults. And we're outraged. We're, we're like, how can this child not <laughs> see the consequences to this behavior, right? right? And I think they can. Like our most of our students, I'm not going to say all, but most of our students can see the consequence to that behavior. But they're so tired. Yeah. They're going into that brain, sa- you know, battery saving 
mode for their brain that allows them to self-suit. And that's what they're trying to do. They're not, you know, not understanding consequences to life decisions. They're just trying to take a break and they don't know a better way. And the the best way for them is right in their pocket or right on their desk, right? Um, It's easy because it's, you know, great stimulation, low effort. You don't have to do anything. You just have to exist. And for the young adult brain, that's that's the minimal work for the high reward, which, you know, they really want. So it makes sense cognitively. So when we look at it from that cognitive perspective, we can take a little bit of our emotional reaction out right? and then, you know, just see it for what it is as a tool that is being overly attractive to them. Right. And then we can talk about, you know, kind of how how we can monitor it and how we can support with that tool. Yeah. So should parents limit the cell phone usage at all? That's a really good question. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I know it's funny because I just was talking about, you know, like overmanagement is is, you know, not advisable. Right which I totally understand. This is where it's hard. You know, this is where it's like the fine line of parenting here. Yeah. As parents, you own the phone. If your child paid for their own phone and is paying for their own bill, that's awesome. That's their phone. If not, which I'm going to go ahead and say about 99% are, that's the case, right? (laughs) You own the phone as the parent. They use it. Okay. So we got to come from that lens. Mm -hmm. You own, they use. So while over management is never advisable, consistent limits and boundaries around the phone and the phone's usage are. Yeah. And it can be incredibly supportive because they themselves, if they just rely on their brains Mm -hmm. as a young adult, are not going to actively know and engage in supportive strategies for how to manage. Yeah. Um, We all are attached to our technology. Yeah. And this is for good reason. It's how we get work done. It's how we do homework, plan, communicate, work, our work together, even today, you know, can be done on the phone, yeah. is done on technology. Um, yet it also isn't the way we entertain ourselves, right? Yeah. And how we soothe our mental exhaustion. Right. And so knowing this, and you know, all of us do this, it's not just our kids. They may be poorer regulators than us as adults, right? but we're all falling in these traps. Oh yeah. And so we need to work together. Like we need to build boundaries together. Okay. With our kids, we cannot expect our kids to follow a rhythm for usage if we are not following a rhythm for usage. Yeah. So a lot of times I, I suggest to parents, especially if they're really struggling with management of the phone at home in particular is having a nighttime charging station mm. where all technology is in a main living space. And that includes your phone, parents. <laughs> <laughs> that includes your computer. Everybody puts it there. It's the hub. It's And it's not um, a consequence, right? right? It's just the place that is where your phone and computer go at night. Right. So there's now not this, my mom took my phone, you know, I had to give it over. Right. Those develop negative associations and now they're going to try to get around you. And believe right. me, they will. They're good at it. Right. Um, but if it's just, this is what our family does and it's not a consequence, it's what I'm doing too. 
mm-hmm. to regulate my own usage as an adult, you're now modeling and they're watching and learning. They may challenge you. Yeah, that's their job, right? <laughs> but they, they're seeing how you're behaving. And I've worked with students like over nine, 10 year spans. And I've seen the seeds that get planted in fourth grade, sixth yeah. grade, go, grow into this child many, many, many years later, where they're doing these same behaviors that the parent was hoping they would do back then, but they were do they're doing later. So they're oh always listening. They're yeah. always watching you. They're just not doing it now. <laughs> they will though. Wow. <laughs> They'll do it just later. Yeah. <laughs> many, many years, but uh, they will. <laughs> wow. Well that that's you know gives people people some hope. <laughs> but also I mean I love the idea of the central charging station because I I like the fact that it's like everything is all the phones are in one spot. You can do like family game night for like 30 minutes before you go to bed too. Or like, I don't right. know, something that's like collaborative with the rest of the family. And then everyone just, you know, trots off to bed and you read a book and you snooze. <laughs> exactly. And we're too used to the phone being the alarm, the right. phone being next to the bed, the charger being next to the bed, right? Like right. all of these things. But if we change the rhythm, right? And the routine around it, that does open up more time together and also opens up less time to like do your homework till 12 a.m. Right. Right. Because now there's a finite amount of time like, no, we're going to play, you know, bingo or, you know, Jenga. It doesn't even have to be anything intense like Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) It can just be time together. Right. Um, Right before bed that has no blue light. It has no um, active stimulation for the brain. It's right. just existing in the same space, doing something that's lighthearted. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so we've talked about the, like right before bed, but do you have any other tips for parents about how to help their kids avoid being on their phone? Like just so much throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, I think the parent parental controls, if you haven't looked into it yet, definitely look into it because there are some really great ways to limit access to apps. And I think mm-hmm. that's necessary. Um, a lot of times too, getting to know your school, your student's school environment, there are yeah. a lot of methods that schools and specific teachers take and to know which ones work the best for your child. Yeah. Um, we had one, you know, one of our students that it was really simple, but it really made a difference. Instead of having her phone in her pocket, we actually talked about at her IEP meeting, putting it in her, in her front pocket of her backpack. Wow. And it changed the game because now it wasn't, it wasn't buzzing on her body. That was a big thing. Um, there, there was no notifications coming through. There was not this center of excitement. Um, but also it was just close enough too. it wasn't all the way in another person's classroom or, you know, it's, it's a comfort, right? And we don't want to take that away, but we also want to limit that usage. And that was a small way to limit the usage. The other thing, the biggest advice I have, which again, can feel a little bit contradictory to the whole mono, you know, like definitely work, you know, worry about your kid's usage and deal with that. It's also really important to not use the phone as a threat Mm. or in reality, as a boundary creator. So 
create boundaries around phone usage. But things like not doing well in school should not be tied to to having or not Mm. having a phone. Yeah. A lot of times as parents, you know, and many parents are probably thinking, my God, are you kidding? This is like my only, um, you know, (laughs) mechanism that works for my child. Like this is the only thing they care about is the phone. So if I can take it away and give it back, like this is my only, you know, bargaining (laughs) item, which makes sense. Um, But I really think that the phone has nothing to do with doing well or not well in school. Yeah. And that usually has something to do with not being very efficient, Mm -hmm. right? Something going on like a learning disability, maybe high anxiety that's impacting the ability to get work done, right? Right. Very few cases is it simply the phone is the reason for your troubles in school, right? right? So now if you take that phone away as a consequence for something that already has a consequence, right? They're already getting a consequence of a C or a D on a test and feeling horrible, no matter what they tell you, because they may say, Oh, it's fine. (laughs) It's not fine. (laughs) They do not feel fine. (laughs) I have worked with so many students, even students that people will say don't care about a thing. And they care so deeply about grades, performance, feedback, especially of adults they care about like their teachers. So they're already getting a consequence. So to add on to that consequence, they can't have the thing they're trying to self-soothe with right. is almost like we're doing them a disservice, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, can we limit the screen time? Absolutely. Removal of it because it's a consequence to something unrelated? Absolutely not. Yeah. Poor screen time use on you know one day may lead to less hours the next day Mm. makes sense yeah so that's a direct consequence right but you doing poorly in school your phone gets removed from you that that makes no sense no that's so (laughs) funny because i i do like remember that being a, a thing like you you know if if you do poorly on a test like your phone is gonna be taken from you that's totally normal among a lot of parents right so it is interesting to hear that from you like it doesn't make sense. They are not one-to-one correlated and that shouldn't be how it goes. But like you said, poor phone, like poor phone usage relates to less usage the next day or whatever that consequence, but phone related two things that are phone related. Exactly. Huh? Exactly. What a great thing to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and we need to lean into limitations and boundaries, not removal for negative behavior, you know, because sometimes the, the, what we perceive as negative behavior is like, for example, school performance is not related to, okay, you're on your phone all the time. That's why you do poorly in school. It's usually not The, the being on your phone is because you're struggling. Right. And so we need to talk about the struggle, not right. being on the phone. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's that fine line of parenting that mm-hmm. we're in now that we have, you know, haven't had to experience in previous generations. Um, but it's very much, very much real. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Cause when I was in school, like I had an iPhone by my junior year, I guess. It's my sophomore or junior year. Um, and 
I was not allowed to be on, you're not allowed to be on your phone in class. Right. But it, I'm so far removed from like that being in high school that I have no idea what the rules are like now. And I can only imagine like teachers trying to monitor all the kids on their phones all the time. And with the amount of tech that's used in the classroom in general, Mm -hmm. it's just so easy to do other things. Totally. And some people rely on their phone to do the things that the teacher is asking them for. So, you know, it's so hard to have everything in one device, you know, even on the you know, even on our computers, you know, we have chat, we have everything, everything's available to us all the time. And it's really hard to manage that, you know, and um, sometimes parents will say, okay, so what should I do? Get a flip phone? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you can, you know, it depends on your scenario and and the situation at home for sure. Um, Not out of the question, but it's not, it's not the default. You know, we, we live in this world together we need to manage in this world and figure out patterns and procedures and boundaries that make sense for us as adults, as young adults, becoming adults. Right. Right. Um, and we're in this together. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge on this. This is, like I said, I think it's like a, not a hot topic in a negative way, but it's just <laughs> such an interesting thing that, um, parents like definitely want and need the help for. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.